For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. We are leading into, leading up to an Eagles-Panthers showdown on Sunday. We'll break it down for you every which way. Over the next two hours here on Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Jay Mac, how are you feeling this morning? Bill and focused. It's a focus Friday, Jody. But I'm a little jealous of you, which you know why behind the scenes. But we'll just leave it at that. No, we won't, because I want to thank the people from uh, School Balls last night. I uh, hopped out and jumped on Countdown to kick off here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, Joe Krause hosting in both ways, both on the air and off the air. And uh, a couple of the other guys, Luigi and uh, Coach, sitting in with me. Uh, we broke down the game pretty effectively, I thought, last night. Good spot. Never been to Screwballs before. Outstanding pork sandwich. I got a little uh, info ahead of time that the pork was the way to go. And absolutely, positively right. Uh, and yes, my payment, a uh, little uh, stateside vodka, which I'm predicting will be tapped into at some point over the weekend. <laughs> uh, and I'll have a review of that. Maybe next week here on Birds 365. But we miss you, Mac Man. Glad to have you here for the next two hours. First things first, and this is a staple. I, I think I miss out, and it's shame on me for this. The John McMullen itinerary. All right. So uh, when do you leave for Carolina? <laughs> now you're killing me. See, everything is, I'm very focused on the. You're now focused, today. and you didn't know I was going itinerary on you. No, you did not. Yeah, I did not. That's gotta catch, you. See, that, that's a, I'm tapping myself on the back here, but that's a good host. You got to ask questions that's right. that they're you not prepared keep... for where they already have. Uh, answers that they contemplated out hours, if not days before. No, I need to know exactly when John McMullen is leaving and coming back from Philadelphia. Well, yeah, leaving 523 on Saturday, but it is a certain airline where that's always a little bit shaky. I will leave that to, uh, I will leave that to supposedly leaving at 523. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I'm coming back Monday. I know that. Uh, but let me try to figure out one in a few minutes. Yeah, because we kind of need to know when we're going to have you on Monday. That's you're kind true. of an important part and of the show. And I so we think, need to know whether you're hosting or just doing a guest. Well, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not hosting. Uh, and I might be out entirely, but I have to check that during the break because I did get a morning flight. So maybe I could jump on at the airport, depending on timing. But uh, I have to double check. Uh, well, gl the, glad one yeah. of us cares when John McMullen's on the show. Yeah. Apparently, John McMullen doesn't care, but his partner, Jody McDonald, does. So, yes, at some point, I will need that all-important information. Out of <laughs> yes, that's, you know, it's interesting because when you do uh, book flights, you know, they're real good on your flight out. They give you 17, you know, reminders. The flight back, though, they're like, oh, we'll worry about that one. We'll yeah, worry about it. So I got to dig up. through. 
I got to dig through 17 emails and try to figure out which one. <laughs> that All right. We'll see if he can get that up before <clears throat> the show is over and done with. Uh, you will enjoy the show if you stay put today. we got two good guests. Josh Talentino, new Eagles beat guy for the Inquirer this year, who is making his debut appearance on Birds 365, is going to jump on with us within the next 20 minutes. I've never spoken to Josh before, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, McMullen will give you not only the update on the football game, but what kind of a um, in the media type guy Josh Tolentino is. Is he a guy who runs to the food line? Does he beat Johnny <laughs> Mac out for hot dogs? Uh, no, he's Josh, is, Josh is Josh is young and and TV ready, so you'll see uh, you'll see Josh. So, all right, uh, looks sounds good, looks good. Uh, looking forward to talking to Josh Tolentino, and then in hour number two. Uh, we're going to get Mike Garofolo up here. You know, Mike, read him on NFL.com. Catch him on the NFL Network. Yes, he's a national big shot, big time guy, but he's a Philly guy at heart. You know it. I know it. We all know it. Uh, he is still very much connected and has his finger on the pulse of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting Mike Garofolo up in week number two. All right, Johnny Mac, Eagles and Panthers, Sunday, one o'clock game. Um, I said this last night uh, when we were taping uh, Countdown to Kickoff out at Screwballs. There's a key guy in this game, maybe more so than any of the four previous games the Eagles have played. Because Patrick Mahomes is so much like a given that I can't even say he's the key guy going into a game. No, he's going to get three, four, five touchdowns. You just want to keep him from getting six. Well, the Eagles did. They got five, and I guess that was enough. <laughs> um, but you get you get my drift here. Um, this game, I think, hinges on Christian McCaffrey. He is one of the more exciting, talented players in the National Football League. He missed last week. He was limited in practice yesterday for the Carolina Panthers, but they did get a chance to talk to him. Media did get a quote out of him, and he said, I'm definitely feeling great. Well, then why are we limited? They're being protective, overly protective, side of caution, all that stuff. Um, the Eagles have just not been able to stop the runs the last two weeks. Not only have teams run against them, they've run through <laughs> them, around them, down their throats. Use whatever descriptive adjective you want to describe being gutted by the other team on the run. And you don't expect that out of the Kansas City Chiefs, but that's exactly what you got. If Christian McCaffrey is 100% or close to it and he is on the field for the majority of the game tomorrow, the Eagles got an issue trying to stop him. No, I agree with that. It, it It's going to be interesting to watch what Jonathan Gannon does because he's, he's taken a little bit of heat this week. I do think he's going to change from the philosophy you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes, sort of like a, a Michael Jordan-type player in football. Right. You just try to limit him from not 40 to 30, whatever. Uh, you know it's going to be there, though, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and Tyreek Hill, probably the most explosive player in the NFL. Although our buddy Deshaun Jackson had another bigger, but obviously he doesn't play as much at his age. You you get my point. But um, that, that offense is, you can put that offense aside. That's the outlier offense. That's the best offense in the NFL. That's the most explosive offense in the NFL. That's the offense with the reputation. That's the offense everybody's scared of. 
Carolina's having a great season, but nobody's scared coming into that game. And maybe scared is the wrong word. I don't think anybody's scared going in any game, but there's a tremendous amount of respect for the Kansas City offense. I don't think you have that for the Carolina offense, even though they have a lot of good players. Sam Darnold's playing really well away from Adam Gase, which I think is a, obviously a big positive, not only for the Panthers, but for his career in general. DJ Moore's having a great season as a receiver, Philly kid. Um, and Christian McCaffrey's been hurt, you know, that Thursday night game. He he made it real clear. He doesn't like those Thursday night games. He thinks he got hurt um, uh, because of the, the limited uh, recovery time and having to play on a Thursday night. So he's got the hamstring issue. Matt Rule's kind of playing the Nick Sirianni game with competitive advantage. Is he going to play? It's going to be a game time decision. Everything I get from Carolina, I've been trying to text some people down there. He's going to play. So, yeah, you can always have a setback with those types of soft tissue injuries, but if everything goes to plan, he's going to be out there. He's going to try to play. And, yeah, he makes things more difficult, but I do think the Eagles have to shift on the back end. They can't just say, okay, we're going to limit DJ Moore's explosive plays because they're going to get gashed in the running game again. they got to make an adjustment and get a little bit tougher there. And, by the way, on the offensive side of the football, (laughs) Carolina's dealing with the same thing. I mean, the Cowboys ran all over them, ran all over them. Um, so we know the Eagles and their running game, which is a little bit, everybody's focused on it. It's not wholly ineffective, but most of the good parts of it have to do with the quarterback. doesn't matter how you run the football. If you run the football, let me ask you just a quick side question on, on Christian McCaffrey and that Thursday night thing. This has bugged me since they went to Thursday night. I'm not a fan of just Thursday I night hate in general. Thursday night football, right? It, it, I get it. You've got a very good product that you want to spread out as much as you can, and you want to be able to make as much money off your product as you can. You can make that much more money having a standalone game on Thursday. I get it. it. It's a money grab. And the NFL usually does, when given a chance, grab for money. They do exactly that. So it didn't shock me when it was implemented, and it still doesn't surprise me. However, the players complaining slash whining about it, is it more difficult to get up for a Thursday game after you played on the Sunday before? Yes. Oh, I'll, I'll certainly admit that. For you and your 52 other teammates and the 53 guys on the other team. So it's not like any individual is asked, you need to get ready on only a couple of days rest. Everybody's got to get ready after a couple of days rest. So I, I no, really but I, I, you know, to defend hmm. Christian McCaffrey, he, I don't think he was talking about that. He wasn't saying, woe is me. I'm the only guy who's got to get ready for a Thursday night game. We, we had Colin Thompson on the show earlier in the week and he said, you know, he was talking about Christian. Nobody takes care of their body better than Christian McCaffrey in his entire time playing professional football. This guy's really in tuned in on the health aspect. And you have this dichotomy of the NFL safety, 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 Jody, safety, got to, got to save. And then they're turning around with no preparation and playing on Thursday night. I think that's his uh, main gist 
it's not about him. It's about everybody. It's not hard to play this sport once a week. And then you're told because it is a money grab and you don't really need the money. Oh, by the way, we're going to play on Thursday nights. Hold on. on. I got to interrupt you there. And I want an honest answer out of you. And I think McMullen gives me honest answers about 98% of the time. 98. 98. 99.7. Okay. If they put it to a vote, let's say they came up with a number, and you can probably figure this number out. Let's say everybody's overall uh, money increases by 3% for having a Thursday night game. Everybody makes 3% more. The NFL makes 3% more. The players make 3% more because they get a percentage of the overall revenue. So let's say they make 3%. I'm just picking that number out. If you want to change the number, feel free. Make it 5, make it 1.2, whatever you want to say. If you put it to a vote and you told the players you were going to take 3% out of their paychecks every week and they go back to playing just on Sundays and eliminate Thursday nights, how many players say, yeah, go ahead, take it out of my check? Well, I hear what you're saying, but I would, I, here's how I would counter that. You know, in a, in a vacuum, yeah, they're not, they never want to take less money. So I hear what you're saying. And, and we, we know we the owners said. never want to take less money. But nobody ever talks about the players uh, willing to take less money. There's a reason for it. They, they don't control it. And number one, nobody ever asks them, so we'll never know. I'm going to give you my impression. That 99.8 that John McMullen is honest with me, that'd be the percentage who'd say, oh, no, we'll play on Thursday nights as long well, as we Well, actually, I don't think it would jacket. be that quite that high because players – do hate playing on Thursday night and, and, and that part, but here's where I disagree, Jody. Here's where I disagree. Look, they already shifted uh, the wild card again. They added a team, right? Now that they're, they're extending wild card weekend to Monday for, night. Monday for another paycheck. Players aren't going to have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. Players aren't going to have a problem with that. Now, maybe you'll have coaches talking about preparation time. If you win, and if you got right, a short the team that wins with, that Monday night game, we'll have a problem yeah, going uh, forward sure, the next but, week. But not the players. That'll be a coach's thing. We don't have time to prayer. We don't have, you know, the players. Well, there'll play be a, one. There'll be one whining player like Christian well, McCaffrey that week. Maybe. Oh, I guarantee you. There's a big difference. Christian McCaffrey, Jody. I've talked to these guys over the. They hate playing on Thursday night. It's not like he's alone in them. They hate it. They hate playing on Thursday night. The coaches hate it. Nobody has any preparation time. They don't even practice. You'll you'll see it coming up on Tampa Bay. They don't even practice on, on weeks they have a Thursday night game. The product suffers. The league doesn't care because it's all about the, the cash game. But you said if you take 3% away, 2%, they'll just find another way to get that 3% back, 2% back. And they already did with moving the, the wild card game. They get another paycheck. They, they, you know, this league is, isn't hurting for money, isn't hurting for money. And by the way, from that standpoint, I think the product's oversaturated. Now people keep tuning in, but they don't need that game. They don't need that game. And there is a, there is a blatant hypocrisy. You have to admit this, Jody. If you talk about the safety issue and I already know the hypocrisy, so it doesn't bother me, but if you're like these other fans who actually go, oh, the NFL is trying to keep players safe. No, they're not. They're protecting themselves from future uh, uh, 
uh, legal ramifications. That's all they're doing. But when you say, oh, we got to take this out of the game. We got to take this out of the game. But by the way, show up on Thursday night and play. It's 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 full. You know what, Jody? You know your, you know it's bullshit. Your point is well taken and dead on accurate. But I will once again say for those, and yes, the players are the ones who have to deal with it. The owners sit above and go, yeah, we'll play on Thursday night. They're not the ones who have to prepare and get ready and have a short week and deal with injuries and everything. You're right. But again, if and it'll never come to this. It never has come to this. Never will come to this. If they put it to the players and said, here's the deal. We'll wipe away Thursday nights. We'll all make less money. And let's do the math for you. Take 3% of away from your salary. You guys vote. Would you rather play on Thursday nights and make 3% more? Or would you rather not play on Thursday nights and make 3% less? About 90% would say, yeah, let's play on Thursday. I, I, I think yeah. I agree with you. The vast majority wouldn't want to give any money back. But I think you'd be surprised. The number would be much lower than 90%. Guys hate, hate, hate playing on Thursday night. And it's not just Christian McCaffrey. They hate it. They don't like it. They don't want any part of it. Now, if it hits them in the pocketbook, you're right. It's totally See, different. That, they don't, that, they don't think my, of it that's that That's my way. point, John, and, and I 100% understand what you're saying. There's a whole bunch of players that don't understand. They just get paid what they get paid. They don't realize that they're making more money because they're playing on Thursday night. All the owners do, all the CEOs do, all the presidents do. They, yeah, they know all the numbers. Yeah. They crunch the numbers. The players don't. So if you had to sit down, you explain to the players, here's how much you make when we didn't have Thursday nights. Here's how much more you make now that we play on Thursday nights. And if you don't want to play on Thursday nights anymore, we're taking that out of your pocket. If you laid it out that like that, 90% of the players would say, oh, really? Oh, shoot. I guess we got to suck it up and play on Thursday nights. Well, I, I would say you're right. A lot of players aren't as financially savvy to realize it. And if you tell them, if you phrase it like that, they'll go 3%. Oh, I'll try 3%. A lot, a lot more than you would think. Now, you know, you're talking about it's probably going to be a $15 billion industry. I have to check what Thursday night football uh, rakes in. It's, it's their least valuable television contract. Wouldn't be that much of a financial hit for this league. In a lot of ways, it doesn't make Thursday night football doesn't make sense. And in a lot of ways, doesn't it? And and by the way, one of them is financially. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, I I talk about that future legislation. The real reason behind the NFL safety dogma, this is going to come back to bite them in the ass. They're not forward thinking. Somebody's going to. Somebody's going to figure out down the road how to take advantage of this to get money from the NFL. Saying, this league, what I've just laid out to you, this league doesn't care about safety. This league pushes its players on the field um, uh, so quickly after games, and you have, you know, Christian McCaffrey and other high-profile players saying, this is not good for us. This is not the proper way to go from a safety perspective. This is going to bite them in the ass, and they're not thinking about that down the road. They think about head injuries. They think about that kind of stuff because it's been thrown in their face. This is something that's sort of under the radar that will eventually come back to haunt them. 
and they right. should get a little bit more forward thing. John, you've got a very good grasp on it, but I'll stand all over my belief that the players, if you actually showed them the numbers, do some quick math. We got Jack Tolentino joining us here in just a couple minutes. A $10 million player, which is above average. Uh, the average NFL salary is what? About four or five million dollars, somewhere there about. You got guys who make less, you got guys who make 30 million. So let's just use a nice round number like $10 million. Um, 10% of that would be one million dollars, three percent of that would be three hundred thousand dollars. So if you said to a guy who is making ten million dollars, listen, you're gonna be making nine point seven instead. Is that okay? We're taking three hundred thousand dollars out of your pocket to eliminate Thursday night games. Now you're never gonna have to do it again. You're going to be able to get on your weekly thing. You're not going to have to push your body. But we're taking $300,000 out of your pocket. Do you think the player's going to say, oh, okay, yeah, here's the 300000 back? Or do you think he's going to play? I'll suck it up and get ready for Thursday night. I'm telling you, I think the great majority of them would say, yeah, I'll play on Thursday night. They can play now because they don't understand how much extra they're making for it. All right, we got off on a major tangent. We got to get back. The Panthers-Eagles. And we'll do so with the help of Josh Tolentino from the Inquirer. He joins us next here on Birds At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Football 
here on First Street 365. Mac and and Jody McDonald. And a new contributor to Bird 365, making his debut appearance with us. John knows him well from the press box down at uh, Lincoln Financial Field. But he's looking good here on Birds 365. Josh Talentino, the Inquirer, joins us. Josh, thank you much for jumping aboard with us today. Hey, J-Max Squared, I appreciate the opportunity yeah, to, to hop on top of the morning to you guys. We're just about, what day is it, John? Friday? Uh, it is Friday. I always have to think about that myself. Yeah, you know how the days <laughs> go together, Josh. And we'll be seeing each other in a couple hours, but... Before then, we'll spend a couple minutes together. I guess we'll start with the quarterback, Josh, because, you know, one thing Jalen Hurts said this week about the Eagles offense is that we're close, you know, numbers-wise. It certainly looks that way uh, If in the context of the rest of the league. Your perspective, are they close offensively to sort of turning a corner? I don't necessarily think that they're – they're as close as he says or or believes. I think we saw the the offense in particular take a step forward last week, which was um, really I think the biggest uh, talking point or question mark going you know off a very rough week down at Dallas. I mean, it seemed like nothing was working at all for the offense uh, besides garbage time. Um, I mean, yeah, they showed some signs of improvement, and I think Nick Sirianni is still figuring out Jalen Hurts the same way that that Jalen Hurts is figuring out Nick Sirianni. I think John, you, me, and others um, in the press box early on in the season, there there were times where you know we're seeing some plays, uh, particularly against the the, the Niners, where um, it's like Jalen Hurts is that quarterback, right? Like this isn't Philip Rivers, this isn't Andrew Luck, but it looked yeah. like you know these would be play calls designed for a quarterback like the ones we just mentioned and not Jalen Hurts. So I think that, uh, again, I think these these struggles and um, learning each other, the, the chemistry definitely between not just Jalen and his receivers, but but straight up just uh, Nick and, you know, forget about the personnel just for a moment, but just Nick figuring out Jalen and what he likes. I think, um, you know, it was going to take some time. So uh, are they close? They're, they're closer than they, where they were a couple weeks ago, but uh, again, I think those are important conversations that, that Jalen needs to have with uh, continue to have with Nick uh, Sirianni. But yeah, again, we're only talking about one aspect of the team here. I mean, they're, they're, they're yeah. just, you know, very undisciplined in many other facets. And, um, you know, at least they're, they're at least showing signs of, of fixing the offense. And it's that, that starts obviously with Jalen Hurts. Josh, I'm going to ask a very narrow, narrow focus question. Um, when they took the field against the Chiefs and had their first offensive possession on Sunday, Jason Kelly gets over the ball and he looks to his left and he looks to his right and he says, where the hell are my guys? He's out there lone wolfing it with the four other backups. Now, my opinion, they played pretty damn well last week. Cross board. Uh, the offensive fill-in guys did their jobs and then some. I know it's a, uh, a, a percentage breakdown question, but Above and beyond the players themselves, and we tip our hats to all of them, who should get credit for them having the type of game that they did? Uh, the offensive <laughs> coordinator, uh, who was calling the plays with the help of Nick Sirianni, who's the head coach, who's in charge of everybody. Is it Stoutland, the offensive line coach, who gets these guys up and ready and prepped and the like? Is it Howie Roseman, who actually gave the team a pretty good amount of depth on the offensive line that they could pull off the kind of thing that they pulled off? Break down the credit for the offensive line playing well last week the way it should be. Yeah, I think if we're picking one person, and this is something that I've learned uh, 
quickly on on this beat, you got to point the, the the finger to to Stoutland. I mean, you look at the development that he's uh, really across the board with. Uh, you know, let's use his biggest success project, uh, Jordan Mailata, who you know didn't play last week. It looks like you know he might play this week after uh, returning to practice. But I mean, right there, it's it's like you find a, a gem in the rough right there. Then. Um, but, you know, if we're, we're talking about Stoutland, I think one conversation in particular that I remember this week is that I think it was Jack Driscoll or, or Nate Herbig, um, actually probably both of them, uh, just in speaking with them, finding out how they found out before the game that they were going to be uh, starting, obviously, with yeah. Lane Johnson dealing with his personal matter. It's like just from a logistics perspective, how do they find out, you know, is it Nick uh, coming up to them before the game is it a text and it actually turned turned out to be a call from Jeff uh, Stoutland so I think just uh, that that narrative right there uh, points that, that uh, Stoutland is really in control of this room and uh, John you know I love to watch those battle and battles in the trenches those those one-on-ones in practice between uh, O-line O-line D-line O-line and, and one thing that uh, you know again a very quick observation I've made is Stoutland is very hands-on with his teaching and he's, he's basically right there in your ear. And that's kind of the, the, the approach that that's worked with that group specifically. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing, Josh. And if you look at it, they're going into Carolina this week. That's a team that's having some injury issues on the offensive line. They got to pick up the phone. They're calling around the league to try to find offensive linemen. The Eagles are going up to guys two hours before the game and saying, okay, Jack Driscoll, you're going to play right tackle now, Nate Herbig. It is pretty impressive the way Jeff Stoutland gets these guys ready. And they're not Lane Johnson. They're not Brandon Brooks. So you're, you're, you're taking a big hit, but you can put a competent product on the field. And that's my segue, Josh, because what hasn't been competent is the penalty issue and the discipline issue you mentioned a little bit. Penalties are up all across this league, but – Eagles are down at the bottom of the league. So even when you put it in that context, is it just a young coaching staff? Is it just undisciplined nature? What's your perspective? Why so many yellow flags on the Philadelphia Eagles? John, right before I hopped on, you know, I, I just, you know, it's become almost a daily tradition to gauge at the the weekly or, or the, the league penalty stats. I think they have 16 or 17 pre-snap penalties. There, there are two teams in the league with 15 penalties overall. So, I mean, we're talking about a very – those are penalties that you can control that, uh, you know, it comes down to IQ and fundamentals, two things that are actually in Nick Sirianni's basically his Bible or his, uh, you know, teaching principles, his five what he calls it core fundamental values. I mean, they've got this printed on shirts. They've got it all over the, the locker room. And, you know, it, obviously inside the practice facility, you and I have seen that, John. And it just seems that they're they're a very undisciplined uh, team right now. And you point to, uh, you know, several different things. And, you know, John and I have, have obviously had conversations with, with those uh, around the team. I think there are a couple of contributors. I think you look at um, the top, obviously, Nick Sirianni is a first-year uh, head coach. And not just him, but a very young coaching staff, as you mentioned, John. Uh, I think it starts there, but then you look at the uh, the personnel and the players who are in there, mainly the players who I guess who are committing these penalties. Um, and then you got to consider again. And then John, I know you've um, enjoyed asking about this uh, throughout the week. Uh, 
the legal man downfield. I mean, that's that seems like has definitely contributed to a lot of them, and, and not just that, but it's been a point of emphasis. But if it's point of emphasis, guess what, Andre Dillard, you've got a and I, I know we're talking about a guy who used to play tight end, but you've got to definitely adjust, and um, he he's been a um, main factor to a lot of those calls. So, um, and again, we're talking about a guy who wasn't uh, really expecting to start; it was kind of just thrown in there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, but um, I think those are the three main things are, are definitely the players involved, the, the young coaching staff and the, and the emphasis uh, across the league on penalties. All right, Josh, going to make you make a call again where the answer is a little column A, a little column B, a little column C, but uh, put the one <laughs> on top of the pile for me. The Eagles inability to stop the run the last two weeks. We know it's the players mostly, but I want to ask you them in groups. Is it the down defensive linemen? Is it the linebackers? Is it the safeties? Is it Jonathan Gannon and his non-existent system, but just putting guys in the right place to make plays? Oops, not enough of that. Uh, Of those four, which one would you point the finger of guilt most at? You know, Jody, when I got here, I I really was kind of, uh, taken aback by by Jonathan Gannon, and I, I really enjoyed all the conversations that he's had uh, with us, and I really do think that he can be a successful uh, coach in this league, and uh, his teaching philosophies I'm, I'm really high on. Uh, but these past couple weeks, and, and most especially last week, there were just uh, so many eye-raising, uh, you know, sh- shoulder-shrugging type uh, questions when you look at the personnel that's um, on the field. I think uh, at least three, just looking back at the tape and the play script, uh, at least three of the the touchdowns that the Patrick Mahomes directed down there in the red zone. Uh, on three of those calls, they had the you know their backup defensive lineman, and again, obviously a lot of thought and goes and you know a lot of talking goes into these decisions with Jonathan Gadden, the coaching staff, and then obviously the players. But they're trotting out Teron Jackson. I, I mean. Milton Williams, a, a rookie, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, who, who you know, he, he's basically committing highway robbery with, with his, uh, you know, what he's, uh, he's done here coming to, to Philadelphia in his production. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we want to talk about, you know, Fletcher Cox and, you know, his, his absence in, in the stat sheet. Yeah, Fletcher Cox is, is better than all, all four of those. And, you know, what, what is he doing on the sideline in those moments? Um, I think if we're going to put blame here, yeah, a little bit on the personnel, but I think, you know, you look at the team, there are probably like 40, 45 guys who you can say are on NFL roster. I think this is definitely one of the teams where it's, you know, a lot of back-end guys where where you wouldn't really see them on on, uh, 31 of the other rosters. But uh, if you had to circle one guy, Jody, I think I'm I'm pointing to Jonathan Gannon. I think he's, again – and the process kind of like Nick with, with Jalen, like what we mentioned at the top. I think he's just figuring uh, out personnel and, and continuing to implement a scheme that guys are adjusting to. Now, Josh, um, I, in a lot of ways, I, I, I think Jonathan has it a little bit tougher than Nick. And I want to run this by you real quick. Nick is dealing with the, the core of an offense with very young players and that Jalen Hurts, obviously, essentially a rookie quarterback, second-year guy, first-time starter. You have Devontae Smith, first-round pick. Obviously, you have second-year wide receivers and Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins. Some veteran guys at tight end the offensive line, but the playmakers, the big, even Miles Sanders, very young player, Kenny Gainwell. Um, 
on the defensive side of the football, you got Bletcher Cox. Brandon's hurt, obviously, now, so we'll take him out of the picture. Darius Slade, the two guys I want to focus on, because they both spoke this week, and I saw a little inkling of, uh, you know, I do this well. Why aren't I doing this? Did you get the same feeling? Four-eye technique, which most football fans don't know about. Fletcher Cox don't want to play that, Josh. Darius Slay wants to play some man coverage. Yeah, as Fletcher Cox was kind of talking, I, I kind of engaged just to my left a little bit to see what the PR staff, you know, how they were reacting to uh, what he was saying. Because obviously I think he, w- he would have been well prepped for uh, those types of conversations and those types of questions. And Fletcher Cox, I mean, he's a staple within this city and, and on this organization. His his mark will be here forever. He knows the impact that he's had on this uh, franchise and will continue to have. He also knows he has a voice and that he's not – uh, share, you know, even if they say, you know, try to avoid this type of conversation that he's going to say what, what is on his mind. And, and, uh, you know, we're four games in and you can definitely see that you mentioned an inkling. I think it was a little bit more of a, an <laughs> inkling. I mean, I think he is frustrated with, uh, where he's put and that's basically what he, he said is that it's hard to adjust to doing one thing when you're used to doing the other thing and you have to do both within a game. So, um, I'm, I'm really glad you pointed that out, John, because, uh, you know, I was not definitely not the uh, it's it shows that we wasn't the only one to notice that Fletcher Cox is, is you know, obviously uh, not necessarily upset with the scheme. But, uh, you know, having these early uh, struggles grasping um, the fact that he has to play four eye and, you know, not stay in the three. Josh, yeah, I want to ask real yeah. quick, uh, just real quick, Jody, I wanted to get a follow up in. Because I remember when John Harbaugh left Philadelphia and he got the Baltimore job and he thought to himself, the first thing I got to do is get Ray Lewis and Ed, Ed Reed on my side. That's if I get those guys to buy in, everybody else buys in. If I'm Nick Sirianni, if I'm Jonathan Gannon and Nick from the head coaching perspective on the defensive side of the football, I got to get Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay to buy in then everybody else follows. Is that, am I wrong there? Is that what Jonathan Gannon should be trying to do? No, no, I think you have a great point, John. And, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, um, we're looking at maybe the Vegas game or the Detroit game, uh, you know, a very important game to Darius Slay. Maybe by then we're, we're seeing them run a little bit more, uh, not necessarily changing the scheme up, but, um, you know, adjusting a little bit to player tendencies. Maybe we do see Darius Slate play a little bit more man uh, later in the season or, or, you know, the corners in in general. I know obviously we've, we've learned that um, and they played a lot of two deep cover two last week, uh, but they are a a zone heavy scheme. Um, I think one, one thing that they really have to figure out though. And, and as we watch tape and and as coaches and and players watch tape, they like to say that there are other beneficiaries uh, of, you know, Fletcher Cox's absence uh, in, in regards to his production on the stat sheet. And yeah, that might be true a little bit. You look at Javon Hargraves having the best year of his life. Um, you know, other guys are getting one-on-one opportunities. John, Jody, it's not like every single play Fletcher Cox is getting doubled. I mean, he's definitely having yeah. his opportunities. It's just, you look at where he's playing and what he's used to. Uh, I think they really have to figure out uh, Fletcher Cox because not only is the highest played player, I think he's, you know, definitely still one of the most talented guys on that defense. And as you mentioned, a leader, a captain, a veteran guy, um, they have to figure out Fletcher Cox's situation for sure. 
I want to jump over to the other side of the ball with you for a second, Josh. This past game against Kansas City was the first time in four games that although he got more touches and we question how many touches he just gets in general, uh, but Miles Sanders actually was less productive than Kenny Gainwell, who got less touches. The difference between them, a little bit closer than ever before, and Gainwell had a good game. Uh, are we reading in too much that the breakout between those guys, first back, second back, is now more like one and one A, and could one and one A flip in the next couple of weeks if what transpired last week continues as far as production goes with the Eagle backs? Well, I think the biggest question, Jody, was coming off that Dallas game is how many touches is Miles Sanders going to get? And then you mentioned what we just saw from from both him and Gainwell. Uh, man, that's a tough that's a really tough question, uh, Jody. I covered the Dolphins last year and Kenny Gainwell was one of the, the running backs. That I studied uh, a lot of tape on. I watched a lot of his, his college film. And, um, you know, it feels like the Eagles definitely got a steal there in the fifth round. I mean, his production just through four games. Uh, speaks for itself. So I think uh, Gainwell definitely deserves the ball. Um, I think you talk about the distribution of the two. Um, I think Gainwell is definitely uh, going to be deserving in that conversation, but there's uh, obviously no denying what Miles has done in his uh, two years in the league and, you know, his impact on what he's done here um, in previous seasons. But I think a more important conversation to be had and, you know, this can be skewed a little bit because they were playing Kansas City and they kind of knew that they had to score a bunch of points uh, last week. And that was also their thought process uh, heading into Dallas. I'm very uh, curious how they're going to approach uh, Carolina's defense, a very good passing defense. They got to give Miles Sanders the ball more. Not, not just that, they have to run the ball more. Um, up until the fourth quarter, I believe, John Jody, uh, last week, the Eagles were one of four in the red zone. Um, I think they finished a. Uh, you know, with two uh, garbage time touchdowns. But up until that point, they were one of four. And in those four red zone opportunities, if you look back at the play script, they only ran the ball like two or three times. And we're talking about in the red zone where you need to be running the ball. Um, and I know a lot of fans, they want to talk about the offensive line and, you know, the backups of the backups were in there. But if you look mm-hmm. back, John, Jody, at Kenny Gainwell's uh, touchdown, he had a seven-yard uh, scamper yeah. in the end zone. The blocking was perfect on that play. So – why are they running the ball more, especially in that part of the field? So, uh, again, another great point, Jody, and, and not just the distribution of the two. I think just in general, uh, Nick Sirianni needs to be dialing up uh, some more run plays, and I think he will uh, against Carolina. You know, these past two games, they knew they had to score points. They knew they were going to pass the ball. Um, I, I'd expect a more balanced offense. But, again, we'll have to see on Sunday in Carolina. Let's talk about Sunday in Carolina. Uh, Josh, put your Nick Sirianni hat on, put your Jonathan Gannon hat on. This Carolina team, I think, has played better than most of us expected. Sam Darnold getting away from Adam Gase, DJ Moore, Billy Kidd having a big year. That defense gets after you from a pressure standpoint. How do you attack the Carolina Panthers? Uh, They, you know, schedule-wise, they've beaten the Jets, the Texans, so maybe they don't look – maybe they aren't quite as good as that 3-1 and record looks, but certainly a a competent team. Oh, definitely, and they're even a more competent team if uh, the guy who returned to practice this week, Christian McCaffrey, uh, ends up playing. Honestly, I'd be surprised if they, in a way, rushed him back, but I was kind of caught aback the – I think it was yesterday, John, Thursday, that he, you know, the day he returned to practices that 
uh, he spoke to reporters and told them he's feeling really, really good. So um, he might be feeling really, really good, but we've seen in situations, you know, um, where, where coaches are slow to, to hold players black. You look at uh, Rodney McLeod uh, situation um, this year, recovering from uh, his injury. And, you know, that's just one uh, instance. But um, again, I'd be surprised if, if they saw Christian McCaffrey, but again, a way more potent offense with him back there. But even without him back there, they're a very sound uh, group, both offensively, defensively. Uh, they've got some key uh, injuries on defense. And I think uh, if you're going to focus there just for a second, uh, segueing from our last conversation, they have to run the ball. I mean, this is a team without uh, one of their top corners and um, Stefan Gilmore obviously won't be eligible to play. And Shaq Thompson, one of their top producing linebackers, it looks like he's going to miss the game. Uh, they have to run the ball, especially when they know that this, uh, this uh, Carolina defense, they're very fundamentally sound in the passing game. And you're talking about a, a guy in Jalen Hurts who took a step forward, and you want to continue to see him take step forwards. Um, not, I don't know if he's going to necessarily be able to do that against this Carolina uh, defense. I, I'm very curious to see what Nick Sirianni's opening uh, play call script. And uh, I think what we've learned, John, is that um, I don't I don't know if, if Ocean or you know any of these uh, <laughs> casinos uh, around here in this region have this type of prop bet, but they should start making a prop bet where. Uh, first play is going to be a, a screen or, or the over under. Oh, yeah. Bubble screen. screen. Bubble screen yeah. to Quez Watkins. The that's, over that's under on top. screens. Yeah. I think a good number for that would maybe <laughs> be five and a half, six and a half, because they love to run those plays and, and you know, get yeah. these quick <laughs> outlet guys. And um, so, so Jalen, Jalen Hurts in the offense, they're definitely in for a test. But, you know, how can they uh, get through that test? Run the ball. Yeah, Quez is a little banged up, so I'm going to go Jalen Rager this week. Bubble screen to Jalen Rager. That's my problem. Jalen Bubbles. Uh, Tolentino, a guy after our own heart, making up his own lines here with us on Birds 365. We love it. Uh, John mentioned um, the fact that DJ Moore, Philly kid, could be a pain in the Philadelphia rear end this week. So could another Philly guy, Hassan Reddick, who way back when, when we started the show, um, he was a free agent that I said, you know, it, I know the Eagles are okay at defensive end and he's going to get paid like a starting defensive end, but it might be worth putting that kind of money into a defensive end and bring a homeboy home. He ended up with his homeboy coach down in Carolina, but how big a pr uh, problem does Hassan Reddick, uh, show for the Eagles coming up against that revamped offensive line this weekend? Yeah, definitely. And you, you talk about the offensive line. It doesn't look like uh, Lane Johnson is going to, to play. I mean, he's obviously missed practice all week. They've, they're going to have a walkthrough today at the stadium. Uh, he's the type of pro where, uh, in his instance, uh, you know, if you, I think if he wanted to play, they, they would definitely uh, trot him out there. Uh, just everything he's been through in his career. But it looks like they're going to be without him. Uh, you look across the offensive line and, you know, all the backups that are, are, are in there. Could they cause issues? Um, I think so, Jody. And you look at, well, well, what about last week? You know, they, they played very well against the Chiefs and, you know, the offense was able to put up all those points. They were playing the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. they're known for their offense. They're known for Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill. That was a very sloppy uh, defense. And, you know, a lot of people like to point Oh, what about the Honey Badger? Honey Badger ain't playing front seven. I mean, yeah, that, that he, he's not getting after the QB. Yep, yep. That that Kansas City front, uh, besides Chris Jones, really, who who really wasn't much of an impact at all. They really weren't making any type of 
uh, noise. Jalen definitely had uh, time to throw the ball, and he, he definitely did uh, damn near 50 uh, pass attempts. Um, but, again, how can you uh, maneuver through that type of situation where there's constant pressure on the edges against your backup tackles? Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell. I think we've, we, if, if Miles Sanders doesn't get 10 touches this week, John – have me back next week, and I, you know, we're, we're gonna go yeah, we're ten touches. I, I, you know, it seems like such a little amount, ten touches. But if we get there, that's an improvement for Miles Sanders. I agree with you. Got to get the football to your playmakers, Josh. Uh, Josh, I want to thank you. I want to get you on record first, but I want to tell everyone to read JoshInquirer.com. Uh, does a great job covering this team with Jeff McLean, our buddy there, EJ Smith. You got Mike Sealski, Marcus Hayes, who come on this show. So thrilled to have you. We are going to have you back, but I want to give me a score. You got to do it on these types of things. Eagles, Panthers, who wins it? You know, I really do think that they're capable of upsetting the Panthers at home, especially if we see more, more of what uh, Jalen Hurts and how Nick Sirianni orchestrated to his uh, strengths in the, the passing game. But I just think that the defense raised so many questions over the past two weeks, giving up, I think, 82, 83 combined uh, points, John. Um, I think there are just uh, too many questions, mar- question marks there, the safe bet. And I think I wrote this uh, yesterday. The points might be off. But I, I think I'll go 27-24 uh, Carolina. If, if the Eagles upset them, I, won't, I wouldn't be surprised. But, again, if you're making a bet here, I think we got to go um, the Panthers in a slim margin. Josh, if the Eagles win this week, you'll never be on Birds 365 again. No. Hey, people, hey the, the readers, the subscribers, Jody, they've been saying I've been too optimistic uh, about this team. I think I've picked them. Uh, not, I didn't pick them against the Chiefs, but I picked them uh, in their first three games. And okay. I, I spoiler, I uh, spoiler alert, Josh. This will be the first time I picked the Eagles all season. I didn't even pick them in Atlanta. Okay. So I'm on the, I'm on the negative side. Okay, I think it's a winnable game, and they're definitely yeah. going to need it on a short week, uh, the week ahead with, with Tampa Bay and Tom Brady coming to town. So, again, wouldn't be uh, surprised if it was an upset, but I'm, I'm going to go Carolina here, John. And, oh, by the way, I picked Eagles to lose uh, the three losses they had, and they haven't kicked me off birds 365 either. So, uh, Josh, we appreciate, A, your contribution, B, your pick. We'll see if it's right or wrong. We're not going to hold it against you either way. Thank you very much for coming on with us today. Hey, Jody, if we're right, we'll, we'll be at Ocean making these uh, player prop bets and suggestions. <laughs> the creative prop prep by Josh Talentino here with us on Birds 365. Thanks much, Josh. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Mac and Mac guys coming back. We got more Eagles, Panthers breakdown for you uh, next hour. Mike Garofalo, the NFL Network, is going to hop aboard here on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You've got to tune to Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hanging with you. Thanks, Jack. Uh, never had him on Birds 365 before. First time uh, they've joined our show. Um, and, John, thank you for booking him. Seems like a good dude, and I've been reading him. I think he does a pretty damn good job covering the Eagles. Yeah, he does. And, obviously, uh, difficult circumstances. We always talk about uh, – uh, uh, replacing legends in sports, you know, Josh is uh, tasked with replacing legends uh, in the sports journalism industry in Lesbo and obviously uh, Paul Domovich and who are big parts of the show as well. So still doing a phenomenal job. I wouldn't want to replace those guys. So I give Josh a ton of credit. Agreed. Um, do want to ask you about one aspect that we got a bunch that we still need to cover. Um, that we got in with Josh when he asked him, hey, you got to make a pick on the game. Good by you. Um, and he picked the Eagles to lose by three points. I've actually been a little bit surprised. This game opened up. I followed his stuff. Uh, game opened up with the Panthers as a four-point favorite, which means if it's played on a neutral field, the Eagles are one and three, the Panthers are three and one. But as you pointed out a couple times already, yeah, the Panthers' wins haven't been against world beaters. I think we're still finding out how good a team the Panthers are. Given the chance last week against the Cowboys on the road, they got gashed and slashed the same way the Eagles did. If you look at the stats from Panthers-Cowboys and Eagles-Cowboys, eerily similar. The Cowboys did basically the same thing to the Panthers last week that they did to the Eagles the previous week. That's why it is as close to on a neutral field a pick'em game opened up as a one uh, four-point favorite for Carolina, which would mean Carolina looks like a one-point better team than the Eagles. 
The line has actually moved, and almost everywhere it's down to three. That it opened at four and came down to three. So, yeah, it's just one point. That's a significant enough move to make note of it in the from a wagering aspect in the game. And usually there's a reason for it. It can be moved by people betting and uh, coming down more heavily on one side than the other. If that's the case, certainly people are betting the Eagles. Uh, it can be information. A guy gets hurt or uh, something is said and there's issues with the team. Um, it, it has come down. And if you'd asked me on Sunday night when the line opened as four, if you told me it was going to move a point or two one way or the other, I would have suggested it would have moved up rather than come back down closer to a pick'em game. Why do you think the line has moved in the favor of the Eagles? Um, I think a lot of people are thinking the same way I'm thinking, and maybe that makes me think I'm thinking <laughs> wrongly. <laughs> I overthink these things. How many times can I say think in one segment? Um, think about it, John. Yeah. Uh, I, I think people look at that schedule and look at the Carolina Panthers and look at the way they played against the Dallas Cowboys. If you're looking at the context of that game, if you look at the final score, everything's hunky-dory. No, no, no. They got blown out of that game. Uh, they got really gassed in the right. We talked about the Eagles getting gassed. I think the Cowboys had 240 or so running the football uh, against the Carolina Panthers. Um, so I think people are trying to put that into context and saying this team really hasn't beaten anybody. Um, and when they did play the first good team, projected good team at least in, in Dallas, they got uh, handily beaten. And then you look at the other side and – you know, I think Josh brought up a good point. You know, things are going to be easier for Jonathan Gannon. They're probably going to be a little bit harder for Nick Sirianni when you compare it to last week versus Kansas City. Um, that Kansas City offense is an outlier. I've, I've said it a hundred times. I'm going to say yeah. it a hundred more. It doesn't concern me. Um, so you're going to go back to more of a normal approach on the defensive side of the ball. So I think it all comes offensively, and I think people are showing some signs of uh, showing some optimism in the Eagles' offense. Numbers-wise, it doesn't look bad at all, the Eagles' offense, uh, bottom line standpoint. I forget. I know it's very uh, – let me grab the numbers right here, Jody. Um, so Eagles' offense, and we're now, you know, four games. That's not a great sample size, but – it's something total ranked eighth, ninth in run rushing offense, which I think surprises people. Ninth in passing offense, where you have an issue that hasn't turned in the to the efficacy you need. They're seventeenth in points per game, which is the most important part of it all. Uh, the one issue has been fourth down offense, which we talked a little about with Ryan Paganetti yesterday. That's the one outlier. They're at the bottom of the league there, 28th. Everything else is pretty good, but they're doing it unconventionally because the quarterback is the running game. So everyone talks, you got to run the football, you got to run the football, you got to run the football. They're a top 10 rushing offense, but it's the quarterback doing yeah. it. It's the quarterback. So are you okay with that? 
I mean, if, if they can turn this into points, obviously, and finish drives. And remember last week, Jody, they scored three times yeah. and that were called back. So if you can eliminate those in two cases, really all three cases, but two were in the red zone, pretty silly mistakes. All of a sudden, this offense doesn't look that bad. That's you. You hit it, hit the nail on the head right there at the end. Are they moving the ball enough? Yes. Are they running the ball enough? Yes. If you count Jalen Hurts' runs as runs, <clears throat> which they are, you go, oh, it's not really a run. Okay, then you need to be more specific in your critique. The running backs could be used more successfully. I I certainly believe that, but. If you're just talking about the Eagles running the football, sure, of course, Jalen Hurts runs counts. Touchdowns. Need touchdowns. You can't take touchdowns off the board. When you get it into the red zone, you need to get seven, not three. Especially Plain against and Kansas City. And, yeah, yeah, especially against Kansas City last week. Now, this week, I don't expect the Panthers. I predicted here on Berg 365 that the Chiefs would hang a 40-burger on the Eagles, and they did. I'm not predicting a 40-burger for Carolina this week, so it's not as pre. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seeing this week as it was last week. And yes, some will be determined by the game. If the Panthers come out and take the opening kickoff and march it down the field and score, and then the Eagles have a turnover and the Panthers get a short field and they score and it's 14, nothing. And there's still time left on the clock in the first quarter. Well, that changes the dynamic of the game, but I'm not going to predict that or project that. They need to run the football with their running back. Jalen's going to make good plays with his leg. That, that's never going to disappear. Um, but they they need to get in the end zone. They can't just settle for field goals. Uh, if it's a field goal game, because sometimes you get in a game where, all right, the other team kick a field goal. You got to match it. You got to go down. You get the fourth and nine. We're in field goal range. What are we going to do? Go for it? No, we got to take the field goal and level it off from what we just did. Um I, I, they need to be a little bit more efficient when they get into the red zone. Nobody would argue that. Uh, I'm not sure if the game plays that way this week, though. Um, well, I think there's more margin for error. I think there's more way to play conservatively against Carolina. I think, you, you know, if it is fourth and three, I think you can take a field goal and feel comfortable about it. Whereas last week, I think you should have uh, pressed the issue and should have understood you need to score touchdowns but the sloppiness is the issue right i mean the eagles if you turn those three uh, uh, put those three touchdowns on the board Devonte smith was talking about yeah look he's got to be sharper with at the top of his routes getting off the line of scrimmage and and then he's not in a situation where he's getting pushed off the field uh so he realizes it talked a lot about the illegal downfield stuff um Eagles got to be more aware, as Josh said, about uh, uh, they're calling it. It's a point of emphasis. So it's not college. They're not going to let you leak down the field. You got to be very, very disciplined. And then the offensive pass interference. Again, that's just 
and, and, and you know that that to me is probably the toughest teaching point because I say you know as long as you're subtle about it, uh, they're not going to call uh, a rub route. What the offense calls a rub route, what the defense calls a pick route, they're not going to call it if you're subtle. But how do you teach subtlety? I don't know. It depends on who the opposite official is looking at it. It's a subjective call, but I can say, you know, pretty good place to start, Jody. Don't extend your arms, and, you know, you might get away with that. Um, But moving the football, they've been pretty effective. Um, But you also have to be realistic. And, again, I say last week against Kansas City, the defense was up against it, obviously. The offense wasn't. That's not a good defense uh, the Chiefs have. It's certain, certainly right now. There's hope they get better uh, from their perspective as the season goes on. Uh, this week, it's more of a, a normal game, I would say. Um, you know, Carolina is like a normal NFL team. They have plenty of good players. They can hurt you on both sides of the football. But you don't have the splash Oh my God! Here comes the Kansas City Chiefs offense into uh, into play. I'm surprised we didn't touch on this. I'm trying to remember as best we can, and I'm 99.9 percent sure we didn't touch on this. That penalty on JJ Arcega Whiteside against the uh, Chiefs on Sunday. Uh, it has been talked about in a lot of different area post game shows, and uh, certainly uh, the radio and the like. Uh, that was a no-brainer as far as I was concerned. I agree. I, I, I know you, you think the game's well over-legislated. It is. And but... you're right. But that was like pass-blocking one-on-one. You can't do it. No. You're down the field. You can't extend an arm like that. I thought it was a blatant, no. easy call. And people questioning it. And it wasn't really. Nick Sirianni and Jason Kelsey lost their minds. I'm like, what are you complaining about? I mean, there are. 90% of the time, they're going to call that. You get, if they don't call it, you're getting off lucky. Uh, that's what they look for in those those pick routes is is if the arms are extended um, and you're pushing off, um, they're going to call it. If you, if you just sort of act like you're running a route, run into the guy, you know, act a little surprised. Right. That makes it look like he's yeah. running into you. Not yes. you're running into him. Yeah. You extend the arm. There's no question who no. ran into who. You grab. You basically grabbed the hold of the guy. That yeah, was a it... blatant foul, as far as I was concerned. And I didn't understand all the hubbub. You're right. Starting with guys on the Eagles and media members thereafter. No, I, I, I'm the same way. In the press box, I saw it. That's yeah. They're gonna throw that flag every time. I didn't know what people were complaining about either. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I had no issue with that flag, and I think anybody who did is is you know playing Homer if they're in the media. I didn't, I don't know about people in the media, but um, it, you know, obviously Nick Sirianni, Jason Kelsey are upset, but I would have been more upset at the illegal downfield stuff because they're really ticky tack on that, and they let. And if you watch other games, there's no consistency. Um, and that's one, but that's really difficult to officiate. And the Eagles, to their credit, have said that. Nick Sirianni has said that. Shane Steichen has said that. 
it's really difficult to officiate and it's really inconsistent. And you almost have to accept the fact that if you're going to run a lot of RPOs, occasionally you're going to get bit by that. All right, uh, Johnny Mac. I, I think we touched on this one. I don't remember. Um, Quote by the defense coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Jonathan Gannon, this week when asked a question about uh, why they don't play much dime defense. I don't think we have to explain to people what dime defense is. It's an extra defense. Well, evidently, we have to explain to some people. I got okay. some Twitter people, but yeah, then, okay. I think uh, most then, people. Then a quick tutorial, no. um, base sets in the NFL forever, not in the 2020, but take it back to the pre- pre- previous millennium. And you have two cornerbacks, two safeties, three linebackers, four defensive linemen. And the game has drastically changed because that's much more passing involved. So the Eagles' base is basically with three cornerbacks on the field and two safeties. That's a nickel because you're adding an extra uh, defensive back to the mix. If you add another defensive back to the mix and take another linebacker off the field, then it becomes a dime package. The Defense coordinator was asked about why aren't you playing dime? Why don't you play dime? Why haven't you played dime? And his response was, "Well, we're just not a dime team right now." I'm I glad you put right now on there, Jody, because a right lot of people it, miss it, the right now. Correct, and that's that's part of it and needs to be acknowledged. But there's no team in the National Football League, I would suggest, that can't go to dime at some point. When your opposition has the weapons outside at wide receiver that the Kansas City Chiefs do, I'm sorry, you've got to be able to play dime. You can't throw up your hands and say, well, we're not going to do it because we're just not a dime team right now. Not acceptable. <laughs> sorry, Jonathan. That's yeah, I, well, I think, I think it wasn't a good answer um, from talking uh, – to JG, you know, um, in the past and, um, you know, behind the scenes and things. Uh, He's playing a lot of zone. So I think what he was trying to get across is, you know, we're we're playing this anyway. And if you're playing a lot of too deep um, cover two, the last thing you want, you've seen the issues with, run support to begin with. That's just why I'm a little surprised so many people are fired up about this. Other than oh, Tyree Kill getting matched up with Eric Wilson in the red zone. I get that. That shouldn't happen. Um, that's more of a communication issue where you probably got to have Slay covering them. You know, sort of a boxing one if you want to use the basketball term. Um, that's unacceptable. Uh but I, I would say you're already struggling. You're playing this. You're playing this cover, too, to limit um, the big plays from Kansas City, which actually was kind of successful. They made him go on long drives till the very end. Um, and you're getting gashed in the running game. Now, so you want to take another linebacker off the field and put Zach McPherson on the field? I think that's what he's trying to say. Uh-huh. It was was that a rhetorical question? Well, or was it one that you would like me to answer? Well, if you're going to answer, answer is yes, if, yes, if you're, I have no answer, problems taking any of those Eagle linebackers well, off the field right now. I I get what you're saying. Uh, the Eagles linebackers are not very good. I've said that a hundred times, 
But if you think the run support is going to improve by taking Eric Wilson off the field, who I don't think is very good, and putting Zach McPherson on the field, it ain't happening. I mean, it's only to get even worse from that limited perspective of, of stopping the run. Now, if you want to argue Sean Bradley should be on the field or TJ Edwards or try somebody else of the linebackers they do have, Davion Taylor. Davion Taylor. That's the guy I'm waiting for you to get to because this I'll is I'll listen to, to that. A, a that, learning that makes season. more sense to me. When do we get to learn about Davion Taylor? That makes more sense to me. But getting back to the dime prospect, if you're going to play zone, who cares? Who cares if it's, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to play man, okay, yeah, give me a corner on the field. But if you're going to play zone, why, why are you going to get worse in the in the run support than you already are? All right, I so guess then here's the question, question for you. John McMullen's football expertise, are the Eagles playing too much zone right now? You've got not a against, guy in not, Darius not, 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 not against Kansas City. I would say overall, yes. I mean, I would tell you Tampa Bay played too much zone when they made the Tampa 2 famous, which was actually, you know, Tony Dungy actually created in Minnesota when I was there. Um, I would tell you they paid. I hated that defense. But, you know, when you have Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and John Lynch, Hall of Famers at every level, um, Okay, it can work. Yeah. The real key, the real key to the Tampa two is Derek Brooks, is to have that linebacker who can cover uh like almost like a defensive back and can also be great in run support. And guess what, Jody? That ain't easy to find. Right. And that and and for damn sure the Eagles don't have a Derek no. Brooks right now. No, no. So I look at Jonathan Gannon's history, though, and you go back to Minnesota and you had Eric Kendricks and, and Anthony Barr, who are two good linebackers. You go back to Indianapolis, you had Darius Leonard. Closer, Eagles don't have that player right now. Um, but, I mean... Uh, uh, when they're struggling against the run so much, this is what I find so perplexing. Other than the answer, I get why people, I don't think it was a good answer. Um, you, you've got to be more uh, savvy in answering that. But I have no idea why people are saying, put another defensive back on the field when you can't stop the running game of anybody. And like I said, with Dallas, okay, they run the ball. They just ran the ball down the throat of Carolina as well. Kansas City, as I've said, they don't even want to run the ball. And they're running the ball with ease. That's a bigger concern. So the last thing I want is another defensive back on the field. Maybe I want five defensive linemen on the field. Maybe think out of the box that way versus putting a dime defense on the field. I uh, know you and I talked about this earlier this week and the want of the Philadelphia fans. We kind of talked about it last night when I was doing a show with Krause out at, at Screwballs. <clears throat> Everybody loves the Blitz. I know you were a defender of the previous defensive coordinator here who had success. Check the numbers. He, his defense was pretty damn good. It's time here in Philadelphia. 
but it wasn't the kind of defense that Philadelphia fans like. They like blitzing. They like sending extra guys. They like to try and kill the quarterback. Attempted murder on a QB is always going to get a Philadelphia cheer. Jonathan Gannon hadn't done that since he got here. He's like Schwartz in that way. The blitz has been nominal. Minimal would probably be the better even way less, to describe Even it. less so. Jim Schwartz, which which people thought who can blitz less than Jim Schwartz? Answer: Jonathan Gannon, um, because they've been gashed as badly as they have the last two weeks. Jonathan, go out there on the edge. Maybe it'll be a little bit more aggressive. Bring a blitz from somewhere. And I said this last night on the show. I know people want it, and I would want it too. But realistically, who's that guy? Nah, if he's exist. going to blitz someone. You need to decide who that's that going to be. I, I know um, they brought, I think, only one corner blitz all year yeah. so far, or only got home with one corner blitz. Avante Maddox, I think, has a half a sack, um, and he's the only guy in the team that does. <laughs> who, I, I, if I, I tell I you, think... John McMullen, he's going to be more aggressive, he's going to blitz more, who is that guy most likely to be? Um, They don't have. See, they, this is they where really don't this, have a candidate for it. It it would have to be uh the Sam linebacker would have to be Jannard Avery, would have to be Patrick Johnson, maybe a slot blitz, as you mentioned, from Avante Maddox, but not consistent. Remember, at least Jim Schwartz had Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. They don't have that type of player on the back seven. So really? yeah, build up by the way, build up he's got to get out of the buddy Ryan mode. I mean not happening. Not in your it, lifetime, yeah. not in my lifetime. I mean, yeah. It, and if you do blitz, you're probably, with this team, you're probably getting a flag anyway for roughing the quarterback. So just play, play, stay in your lane and play your zone and try to try just to figure out run support. Play it that a little would bit be better my, than my they advice. have the last two weeks. All right. He's John McMahon. I'm John McDonald. Quickie timeout. I see Mike Garofolo, smiling face from the NFL Network, NFL.com. Philly boy, Mike Garofolo joins us next here on Birds Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You are turned to Birds 365. You got John McClellan, you got Jody McDonald. And we add to the mix a guy who's got similar hair tendencies to the two hosts of this show. <laughs> only his facial hair has still got a little yeah. darkness to it. That's the only difference. You got three lookalike guys here. One of them at least had some brown slash black in his beard as compared to the two yeah. there's a reason mike's on tv and we're not <laughs> he is a tv handsome guy and he's a philly guy through and through even though he's working the national beat these days mike garofalo of the nfl network joins us here on birds 365 how you be mikey g hey guys how's it going uh doing well mike good to see you uh i hope the phone problems are are fixed are we good on the iphone problems that's number one. Oh, yes. I forgot <laughs> it was down there. I, I, I had one of the all-time uh, annoying iPhone issues. The phone was working, but the screen wasn't. And to the point where I could actually swipe and do things, um, it was almost like if you cover the top of your phone and you get a text, it won't light up. So it was like that, but it was nonstop. And and, and John was uh, in the cubicle across I, the way and... I'm screaming and trying to fix it. <laughs> I tried. I tried to help. Yeah, but we, I bring that I, up I, for. Yeah. I, try, I know how frustrating that is. So I bring yeah. that up the frustration so, aspect. Yeah. Of the Philadelphia Eagles and the penalties, Mike Garoppolo. Oh, sorry, I was going to finish telling the story. But yes, finish. So I go to I go to Mount Laurel and they give me my new Defender, my new iPhone, and nice. as they're getting ready to open it, the phone comes back to life and it's been good ever since. <laughs> Not going Sorry. Go ahead. That is always the way it goes. So the minute you get the new phone, the old phone yeah. works. Now you got the backup. So everything. You need two pairs and a spare. That's what Jonathan Gannon tells us. Uh, <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles, that Mike. Penalties. You cover this league from a national perspective. Look, it's bad. I mean, even though they're up across the league, uh, the Eagles, three touchdowns called back. Young coaching staff, discipline issue. Am I making too much out of this? Um, no, I mean it's 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 an issue. Uh, everything you kind of mentioned, the inex- it's all, you could see inexperience, right? Like it, it's it's kind of weird. You know, I I thought it was going to be after they beat Atlanta. I said, boy, I'll bet you this is going to wind up being like Doug's first year, where they came out hot, they were three and zero. And then it caught up to them. Um, this one happened faster, and it's almost looking like Atlanta was a fluke because they came out against Atlanta and they played disciplined football. They schemed things up beautifully. They looked like they knew what they were doing. The last couple of weeks, the inexperience has been been shown. So are you making too much of it? No, this is the kind of stuff that loses you games in the NFL and, and loses you your job um, if you're the guy in charge. But that being said, I, and I've gotten this, and, and I'll be honest with you, I got this after the Atlanta game from 
a couple of team uh, officials saying, pump the brakes. This is not going to be that smooth. There's going to be, there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be learning experiences. So you'd like to see, you know, the, the issues about the defense start to get cleaned up. Players are griping. Okay. Well, let's put them in situations where they feel like they're uh, better uh, inclined to make an impact. Um, let's clean up the penalties. Let's start looking like the game plan and the execution like it was in Atlanta. That's what you want to see as you go along, knowing it's not going to be smooth the whole way with a first-year coach and you know, some new pieces as well. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the kind of football that's not going to fly in that city. I'll tell you that. Mike, uh, when my dad was done making the multi-million dollar decisions as a general manager in baseball, he got back to his roots, which was scouting, and he scouted for 25 more years after giving up the big chair. And he used to tell me all the time that he would always put in his scouting reports when necessary, need to see again. That sometimes you could just see a guy play in a three-game series and go, holy crap, is he going to be good? Here's where he hits with power. He can feel, he can run, great arm, boom, here's the report. I don't even need to see him again. The guy's a top prospect. And there were other guys that you needed to see again and you wanted to see again. If you needed to see him again about four or five times, then there's a problem because they're just not showing you enough. Give me your scouting report on Jalen Hurts, knowing full well you can say, yeah. need to see again if necessary. Yeah, well, you're going to run out of those opportunities before you have to make a decision on his future, and that's where you're going with this, Jody, and I get it. Um, it it's it's <laughs> Nick Sirianni was, was glowing about Jalen Hurts the other day and uh, after the game, and, you know, they, they usually give you the, I got to look at the film, but he was – he was really happy immediately after the game with the way that he had played. He did play really well uh, for a good portion of the game. And, and there were just a couple of little misfires that you wonder, you know, is that, can you live with that? Uh, is that going to continue to get cleaned up? Is he going to play uh, even more? I just, he's just, this is, this is almost the worst case scenario. I think I mentioned this to you guys when we were yeah. talking in the off season where, He's good, but not great, right? Like, you, you'd almost rather him be terrible. So you go, all right, well, we know we don't have our answer right here. It's just in that zone, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really interested because, you know, you know this Dolphins pick. It seems like it's going to be uh, a high one. Um, I think there, there's a ceiling to how high the Colts pick is going to be. If this continues for the Eagles, it's going to be a high pick. And I think if you've got two, if you've got two in the top ten, and you're poised to either take one where you are or move up to get one, I think you got to do it, right? I, I think if you made me make this call right now, I'd say you've, you've got to do it. And if that's a little too soon for, for Jalen, I'm sorry. That's just kind of the yeah, way it works in this yeah. league sometimes. Yeah, NFL purgatory at the quarterback position. Guys, so I call it the Kirk Cousins effect. Good, good quarterback, but, you know, there's a ceiling. Jalen's a little bit different from a playing perspective. But I agree with you. It's and and by the way, nobody's more plugged into this organization than you, Mike. Did they want to run this type of offense? Did they want to run this type of offense to take advantage of what Jalen Hurts does well? And by that I mean Jeffrey Lurie's always been above front. He wants a high level passing offense. And by the way, I agree with him. That's the way you win in this league consistently. Mm -hmm. Does he want to be RPO driven? to take advantage of the special skill set yeah. of his of this quarterback. It almost feels like 
that that's that phase is is coming to the tail end of it. I mean, it's going to be there, and it's going to be an element of what you do. And the Giants seem to have discovered it last week, and I think it kind of helped them with Daniel Jones a little bit. Uh, you just don't want to rely too much on it. I mean, you know what? what Jeffrey Lurie's got to be sitting watching that game on Sunday, going, "I want to, I want to do what they do." Right? <laughs> yeah. like, but but by the same token. They ran the ball effectively, and that helped them do what they do. So you want that to be a part of what you do as well. They're just – they're so good. Like the notion of us talking about them coming into the game about, you know, they're not in top form or <laughs> defenses figured out the Chiefs by trying to take away the, the deep ball as if they haven't been trying to do that for the last couple of years. <laughs> it, was just, it was good execution by the Chargers. It was not good execution by the Eagles. Um, so it's – yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, they tailored this offense – to what Jalen Hurts does well, I mean that's what we heard coming into the season, um, you know. But I, I think there's a there's a cap to how effective you can be doing that stuff if you go to the well too often. All right, I got bad news for Jeffrey Laurie. Patrick Mahomes part due is not coming out in this year's draft. Just just a point of reference if he wants to be the candidate keeps going forward. Um, all right, I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate here, Mike. See if you can fight me off. Or say, no devil's advocate, Jody. I'm in complete agreement with you. The Eagles are screwed because we're seeing the degradation of Fletcher Cox's game right before our very eyes. And they got a lot of money, and they moved even more future money into the the caps for the coming years when they redid his contract this year. Uh Uh-oh, Fletch is falling off a cliff. Am I speaking the truth? Am I being way too freaking harsh? What do you read on Fletcher Cox's lack of production in the first four games so far? This um, well, th- th- this is the week that he's kind of made it clear. You know, if, if yeah. Baker, Baker Mayfield, my colleague Ian Rappaport, reported that he had a, a bad uh, labrum tear in his shoulder. The week after, and I mean, he's had it for a couple of weeks, but it was right after a bad game in Minnesota, right? So it's just, it's. Really convenient when you find out this kind of stuff. So Fletcher Cox now, you know, hey, it's tough to get settled in. And, um, you know, he did it in the nice po- nicest possible way. Uh, now, that being said, when Jonathan Gannon came here and started to lay out his scheme, and, and I didn't say anything because I know how Fletch rolls, right? Like, I know he's very emotional and he's possibly going to get out there in Jonathan Gannon's scheme and say, hey, I like it. But this started back in the spring when they were just talking about what he was going to do and how they were going to use him. He wasn't happy. And he was letting people around him know that he wasn't happy. And so I can I can tell you that I know for a fact this isn't just something that came up while well, I'm playing poorly, so let me grab the quickest excuse that I could find. No, this is something he was concerned about back in the spring. Now, is it a, a self-fulfilling prophecy that I don't think this is going to suit me, so I'm not fully invested, so I'm not going to play as fast, and I'm not going to be as into it, and buy into the scheme as much? I, I don't know. I, I just find it hard to believe that his talent dropped off. I mean, I, I remember having a, a conversation with a high-ranking Eagles executive back in the spring about, I think it was actually maybe even further back, before they had traded Wentz, um, and, and somebody <laughs> saying, well, you know, listen, for Fletcher Cox, we'll take two ones, right? Like something like that, but basically saying that, they had that high of an opinion of him that he's still that kind of guy where if, if somebody wanted to come pry him away, it would just be an astronomical uh, uh, price. So they still value him and think he can still do what he needs to do. I would say that they probably think it's schematic as well. So what do you do from here? I mean, 
you, you guys not happy. He's not playing well. He's one of the best players you have on the roster, period. Do what he wants to do, right? Like, what do yeah. you want to do? I understand my scheme, but what do you want to do? How can I make you more effective? So let's see. Yeah, Mike, Mike this, this was, was the, the first, first week, week that, that Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, Cox came, came out and out said, said, at least intimated, okay, for I, he doesn't, you know, like it. Bottom line. Uh, Darius Slay. At least a little bit of an inkling, like, yeah, I'm pretty good man coverage guy. What am I doing here in zone? I brought up John Harbaugh when he left Philly back in the day for Baltimore. I remember he said, I got to get Ray Lewis on board. I got to get Ed Reed on board. And then everybody follows. Jonathan Gannon making a mistake by not making players like Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay happy. Yeah, you got well. You got to be uh, flexible in what you do. I mean, you you go one of two ways when you come in as a coach, and you're working with your your front office. What do we want to do? What do we do that suits what we have best? I mean, this is an age old. I I played high school football. I I played up front at at some point defensively, and I remember that feeling of like, oh, I I'm not a two gap guy. Look at me. I mean, I'm I was I tried to put on weight in high school. Um, I was probably 215. It was a joke. I mean, we were not very good. And I, I remember like thinking, well, it, unless I'm this big bully guy that I could just throw people around, I shouldn't be playing a two gap deal, but that's what they were making me do because, well, that's what we want to run. And, and it's, it's amazing how on that level and on the NFL level, it could be the same kind of thing, right? Like if your players are feeling like this is what I do best and you're not allowing me to do it, and you're forcing me to do something that's suited for somebody else. It's 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 kind of crazy. So, you know, I, I would think there's going to be some flexibility here and 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 some meeting halfway at the very least, because you just can't continue down this road with your guys already politely coming out and already suggesting because it's it won't be polite at some point. Yeah, Mike G. I need your opinion on the opponent this week. Carolina Panthers got out to a nice three and zero start. All right, level of competition wasn't. Top drawer, but three and zero is three and zero, and they came plummeting back down to earth against the Cowboys' offense in week number four. But they're three and one. The Eagles are one and three. The Eagles have played better teams. The Panthers have played lesser team, but the games in Carolina looks like a damn toss-up game to me. Yeah. How do you see the Carolina Panthers? Four weeks into the season. Yeah, the more that this week has gone on, um, the more that I've been convinced by uh, a lot of folks. I mean, I. I, I, somebody, an Eagles guy, an Eagles personnel guy said, we're going to win this week, right? Like just on my way off the phone, I was like, what, what? We're gonna, <laughs> like, because I heard the confidence and I was like, Man. hmm. And I started to think more about it. I thought, okay, this could be a spot, right? This could be a spot yeah. where you're, you're kind of beat down and then all of a sudden you kind of pop up and maybe you've got the, 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 the Panthers coming in off a, a game in Dallas where, you know, it was kind of disappointing and they, they fought really hard to the end and maybe they kind of have a little bit of a uh, energetic uh, lapse or a letdown coming in. Um, I could see that. However, they are very good. I mean, their defense is, is excellent. Um, Stephon Gilmore is not going to be on the field for two more weeks. This is week five because he has to stay on the pup list. Um, but C.J. Henderson, they're happy early on with what they got from him. So they hope to expand his role a little bit. Um, and, and start to fill the void by J.C. Horn. I mean, I, it's amazing you talk about a void for a guy who played three games as a rookie, but he was playing uh, that well. So they're, they're really good. Their defense is good. They play fast. Um, 
you know, offensively, I still think I want to have Sam Darnold beat me, um, particularly if you've got McCaffrey coming back. He's played really well. He's played better than I thought he was early on, but I still want him to kind of have to find somebody. And, and look, Darius Slay, put me in man. Put me on DJ Moore. Make him go to Robbie Anderson because he hasn't done that. Make him go to some of his other targets because he hasn't done that to this point. So um, I think if you come up with a really smart defensive scheme and your guys are, are bought in this week, and they come to play. What was what was the say, saying that Matt Lafleur had with their piss hot? He was talking about the the Packers. It's a one o'clock game. They got to come out and play with their piss hot immediately. <laughs> That's the way the Eagles got to come out and play defensively. And if piss you hot. do that, I think you can start to you can get a jump on these guys and maybe start to feel a little different about things. Play with confidence. Play from ahead. I I know you got to run, Mike. Last one for me. I want to talk about last night's game, the Rams. From this perspective. I don't think Matthew Stafford played well. No. And all of a sudden, they're winning the football game. They're going Obviously, Russell gets hurt, so that impacts things. Although Geno Smith, I thought, did a really nice job. Mm-hmm. The Rams, are they, are, are they your early leading contender on the NFC side? The, uh, the NFC West? Uh, that, that uh, the the be- NFC side, the whole thing. Oh, oh NFC side. I think said yeah. NFC side. Um, I, it's I, no, there's a cluster, of t- and that whole division is just going to be a, a roller coaster the entire year because everybody's so good and they can all beat each other. And you know, we're going to have oh, it's the Rams, oh, it's the Cardinals. Now we're back to the Rams, and hey, maybe the Seahawks make a run at some point. That division is just out of control. How good it is right now. So, I I, I want to give you an answer. I think they're they're probably the most complete team that's out there. And Deshaun Jackson still doing what he's doing is incredible and probably disappointing to a lot of Eagles folks, including Howie Roseman, that they were not able to take advantage of that the last couple of years because he still has it. Um, now, granted, you can limit the reps if you got all those weapons, and the more you limit the reps, the more you limit the chance he's going to get hurt, right? So that's certainly an advantage for the Rams in that department. Uh, so, yeah, I'd probably say they're the most complete. If I had to pick somebody right now, I would say they come out of that division and they're the team to beat. The problem is if you keep beating each other, is that going to kill home field advantage for whoever wins the division? And now that team's got to go play a road game, maybe. We'll see down the line. But uh, they are really good. They were really impressive. And I, I remember talking to a defensive coach who said, yeah, you know, the bloom is off the rose on Sean McVay. I was like, maybe it was just the quarterback. Maybe it was. And, and you're right. I, uh, Stafford didn't play well. But he certainly is better for them right now than uh, Jared Goff was toward the tail end of his tenure. All right, Mikey, last question is I'll go to the other conference. All apologies to three and one teams, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, Raiders, Kansas City, L.A. Chargers. Is the winner of this week's Kansas City-Buffalo game the king, the the top of the hill in the AFC? Um, no. Well, here's my thing about Buffalo. Buffalo wins, right? And this was this was my point coming into the year. Kansas City's got to worry about the pack now because this is no slight to what they've done the last couple of years, but they hit at the right time because Buffalo wasn't quite ready. Okay, Cleveland wasn't where they are. Pittsburgh was taking steps backwards. Their division was struggling, and now all of a sudden the pack. You look this season, you said there's a pack of teams that's going to be good now that they're going to have to fend off. And if they keep playing this football in the postseason where they fall behind and then try and score 24 points in a quarter, that's they're going to, they're, they're going to finally get caught because you can't keep doing it. These, all these teams 
are, are better. So if Buffalo beats them, that means that Buffalo beat them. That means that the Chargers beat them. Who's the third team that they lost to? Baltimore. Okay. So all of a sudden, that's going to instill confidence in whoever's got to play them in, in, in January to say, these guys are beatable because they're losing to all these teams that are kind of in the pack. I think this is a huge game for the Chiefs. I really, really do. I think they've got to win this game to say, we're still us. Those two losses earlier were kind of a little fluky. We weren't quite putting everything together. We're making stupid mistakes. We are still the Chiefs. I think if they lose this game, that is a major, major shot to them and a major confidence boost to that pack that I'm talking about. Quick follow-up along those lines. Josh Gordon, any kind of a contributor for the Chiefs? Yeah. He, we're going to see him this week. Can he stay on the straight and narrow? Well, they don't have enough weapon. Yeah. If they add Josh Gordon on top of it, I, what's his what's his uh, story going to be? I, it's funny. Game? I talked to a Chiefs official uh, before the game on the field last week, and he said, um, you know, can, can, we, can we keep him on the straight and narrow? Uh, a paraphrase. I don't know if that was the, the exact phrase. History says we probably won't. But we're going to give it a shot, right? And and so um, on, uh, that's the mental non-football stuff. There's just no predicting that. Uh, but physically, he showed up in incredible shape, uh, 230 pounds, 7% body fat. He's just an athletic freak, um, which every time you talk about that, you go, it's just a shame that he really wasn't able to kind of – I can already say he wasn't able to because he's never going to be what he should have been because he already missed that no. part. But I think he, he contributes, and, and, and they find ways to use him. And, and I know what you're saying. Like, do they really need him? Well, he's a different kind of big physical presence, and they feel like that they could use that in their offense. So, yeah, there's a spot for him. There's a role for him, and I think he contributes right away. And you hope, if you're Kansas City, that he doesn't screw up. Mikey G, we appreciate you hopping on the stream with us today. Didn't even need the phone. The new phone, the old phone, didn't matter. The computer worked great. As did you, my friend. Thank you much, Mike. We'll be down the road. Thanks, Mike. Mike Garofalo, NFL Network, here with us. Uh, Birds 365. All right. We got to come back. A couple more odds and ends. We got to tie up. And we need an official prediction from John McMullen, who I will remind our listeners, picked against the Eagles week one, against the Eagles week two. He did not pick the Eagles week three. And last week, he took the Kansas Chiefs, not the Philadelphia Eagles. Could this be? The first time this year, John McMullen selects the Philadelphia Eagles to win a football game. Come back and find out. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. 
but that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac guy, first things first, McMullen, have you had a chance to go through your emails? Do you know what time you're returning on oh, Monday? That's right. uh, I, I, I do. My flight is at uh, 938 in the morning. So it's going to be tough. I'm going to try to get to the airport and do uh through the beginning of the show, but you know that's all okay. dependent on uh, on uh, TSA and J Mac on the phone from what's the airport name down there in Carolina? It's a good question. I don't know Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte, Charlotte International. I, I, I have no idea either. So I was hoping you knew. Neither one of us know Charlotte right. Douglas International. Who what? <clears throat> Charlotte Douglas International. Douglas, Douglas who? No Sherman idea. Douglas, no Douglas idea. MacArthur. What Douglas are we referring to? Uh, I wish I knew. Uh, yeah, neither one of us know again. All right, here's what we do know. I know this, and if this ends up being self-serving, so be it. But I'm not really attempting to make it. I'm just trying to uh, cut off Eagle fans from potential suffering and or me Monday night on WIP or Tuesday night on WIP. If we had uh, listener slash viewer feedback, I'm sure somebody will hop on the stream and say something about it. Uh, the broadcast duo on the TV side for this week includes Greg Olson, who is a new, relatively new broadcaster, played in the league last year, retired, tried the broadcast thing, went back to playing again. He's a, a guy who they think is going to become a star broadcaster. And yeah, he's pretty just, good. He's pretty I, good, actually. I agree wholeheartedly. He's already done one Eagle game. Did he do the opener? Was he Atlanta? I think he was Atlanta. I know he's done one Eagle game. It was either the first or second game. It wasn't either the last two. I think it was the opener. I think they had him in the opener. Um, you do realize that Greg Olson played his career in Carolina for the Panthers or this week's opposition to the Philadelphia Eagles. So whether he uh, does it willfully or not, Eagle fans will hear in his broadcast, he's a blatant homer 
rooting for the Carolina Panthers. Because if he says anything positive about the Panthers, it's going to be because he's a homer. If he says anything negative, even if it's accurate, about the Eagles, it's going to be because he's a homer. So I'm telling you now, don't put yourself through that. Don't bother. Listen to Mike and Mel. Get to a place where you can turn up the radio. They'll give you the hometown Eagles call. That way you don't have to call Jody Mack on WIP on Monday or hop on the stream and whine to Mack and Mack here on Birds 365 because, yes, it's a built-in issue. It's a built-in problem for uh, Eagle viewers to be able to think that, yeah, Greg Olson's going to be able to call it down the middle. Now, I don't know if he is or isn't, and I will attempt to do a little of both. I'll probably be in my car some, um, so I probably will catch some Maryland Mike, but here at home, I'm going to listen to the broadcast on television as well. And I have, maybe it's because I'm in the field and I do this for a living, it doesn't bother me as much. I don't micro-dissect every single thing that's said, and I have more faith in my colleagues that they are professional and they're going to give you a straight-up call rather than give you a Homer version of it. It's not going to bother me either way. But for those of you who believe that some people do allow their rooting interest from whence they came, their ability to do a call, then don't watch the game on TV. Listen to it. Watch, yeah, watch the game on TV, but don't listen to it on TV. Find a way to get Maryland Mike pumped in on the Eagles radio network, which, of course, you're in town is uh, WIP. If we get more listens on WIP, I'll take it. But I'm really not doing it for that reason. I'm doing it because I don't want to hear you whine after the fact that Greg Olson was favoring the Panthers the entire game. All right, uh, Johnny Mac back. Uh, they pulled my the plug computer on your, just your uh, did again? a Mike Mike Garoppolo iPhone issue. Just, <laughs> just froze up. It never happened before. Just completely uh, froze up. That's good. Uh, but we got you back in time uh, to. Uh, get the final thoughts on this game coming up this weekend. Uh, John, as I said last night, uh, lending a helping hand on countdown to kickoff. Christian McCaffrey is the key to this game. And it kind of stinks because I'd like to make a definitive statement here today. And I'm going to give you a score on the game. And I'm going to ask you to give a score too. But I'm not even confident in giving that score because we don't know if he's going to go. And I know we don't know that Lane Johnson's going to go either. Although Derek Gunn, part of the Eagles postgame show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, uh, is tight with Lane, did suggest, tweeted out yesterday, not likely that Lane Johnson's going to play. I think an even bigger issue is what level is Christian McCaffrey going to be at in this game? I think he has a bigger impact because, hey, they did a nice job filling in for Lane last week. Except the captain, Driscoll, did a good job. And if called upon, I think he could do it again this week. He's not Lane Johnson, but he's a reasonable facsimile. And coming right back off the injured list to play as well as he did was, uh, I would say, a little impressive. But I think Christian McCaffrey is the key factor in this game. If he's either not 100% or it starts and ends up getting hurt, I think the Eagles win the game. If he is 100%, which is what I think you have to project right now as a belief, yeah, I think the Panthers are probably going to find a way to win the game. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to play, so it's interesting. I know Josh earlier in the show said they might be cautious with him, which is, you know, if you're talking about a so-called thoroughbred player, um, those hamstring issues, you probably do want to be a little bit cautious, if anything. 
last thing you want is an aggravation. He'll be out, you know, four or five more weeks. And he's had a, a history of injury issues. He's coming off a season. I think he only played three games. So um, they might be cautious. You know, Matt Roll is going to go down that route. It's probably going to be a game day decision. Ultimately, from people who cover the team, they think he's playing. So I'm going to I'm going to lean towards them and assume he's going to be out there. And I'm still picking the Eagles to win the game. And Mike, Mike Garoppolo, you know, just even amped that up a little bit because I know who he was talking about when he was saying he was on the phone with an Eagles personnel guy and said, we're going to win this game. Um, they're going to win this game. Oh. And, uh, I, I think it lines up well. Carolina, we talked about the Eagles injury. Carolina's got a number of key significant injuries beyond uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, we mentioned J.C. Horn a little bit. He's out. Um, that's why they're making all these moves at the cornerback position. Uh, Stephon Gilmore's not in yet, uh, so that's not going to have an impact on this game. He's still going to be on the pup list for two more weeks. Um so you don't have to worry about that. Shaq Thompson has probably been their best uh, linebacker. He's probably not going to play. Cam Irving's not going to play, I don't think. He's their left tackle. And, oh, by the way, he's not that good to begin with as a left tackle. Uh, they really only have one top-tier offensive lineman as a whole. That's probably their weakness, and that would be their right tackle, tackle Taylor Moten. Um I think this shapes up well for the Eagles. And I I think, as I said, I think the Panthers think they're a little bit better than they are. And they're going to get caught, Jody. They're going to get caught thinking this is a bad football team, the build-up Eagles. And they're going to get beat 23-22. to 22. Ooh, yeah. I saw, you, I saw your pick on uh, phillyvoice.com. I know they... They ask you to submit your Too pick early. Too a little early. early, so you got to make that pick there. Yeah. Um, and to your credit, you've stayed the course because you do make it early enough that something could happen that it would change your mind and you could go in the other direction. You have not. You have stayed the course on your picks this year, and that's the case again. You're taking 23-22 Eagles. Uh, we had Josh Tolentino, and if you're just tuning in now, he had a Birds 365. Josh made his debut appearance. New guy covering the Eagles this year for the Enquirer, replacing guys who did it very well for a long period of time. Um, and other contributors to the show, Les Bowen and uh, Damo. Uh, so kudos to Josh. He's doing a nice job, what I read of him. And he did a good job being with us today. And looking forward to having him on the show again later. He came on and predicted 26, or excuse me, 27-24, Carolina. It's amazing that we've done this now several times. Uh, first week it was Kratz. Second week it was uh, Rob Motti. This week it's uh, Josh. My picks align with the guys we get on Friday to make picks. Yeah, you never align with me, Jody. How do you I think don't. that makes me feel? And that's okay. That's all right. That's what makes uh, Mac and Mac and Birds 365 work. I wrote down my score. I told you I'd done it before. I think Ed Kratz had it 20. I had tw the, the open. I had 23, 20 Eagles. Kratz went 22, 20. So I said, all right, you know what? I'll change. I'll go with Ed Kratz's score. 
And then the next week, Rob Marty's score was one point off what I thought. Same exact as Kratz. So I said, all right, I'll change the Rob Marty score. And I did. I'm not going to change the Josh's score, but we're so close. It's, it's ridiculous. It's almost not worth changing. But I'll explain to you why I'm not changing. I've got Panthers 26-23. I think there's going to be some kicking issues this week. Hmm. I think maybe Zane Not Aaron Sipos. No, that's punting. I mean, place kicking. Um, I think maybe you see uh, Miss Zane Gonzalez PAT. I think maybe the Eagles are chasing points and they get a two-point conversion. What do you, you got the Eagles scoring 23 and Carolina scoring 22? 22, yeah. All right, so you're playing. I like weird scores because two point conversions, you know, it's always something. My 26 23 leads you to believe there's going to be a lot of field goals, or there's either a missed PAT or a conversion on a two point uh, attempt. I don't know. It's just going to be a field goal fest. I'm not necessarily predicting it nor projecting that. But I've got a final score of 26 to 23, and I will apologize for it because if there's one thing I hate, it's when whoever's picking games picks it right on the point spread number. And the Eagles opened up as a four-point favorite, and it has come down to three. The Eagles are a three-point underdog in this game, and I'm picking the Eagles to lose by three points. So I'm doing exactly what I say I hate about prognostica. When you pick it, Either go to four or two. Don't pick it right on the number, you schlub. But that's what I think. You got no. Nah, you got to pick. You got you you to pick what you believe. It it doesn't matter. Um, but I am concerned. I think I mentioned this before. A lot of people are thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I don't like that, Jody. I do not like that. You know, Mike Garofolo mentioned it. Um, you know, the spread coming down, you were explaining uh, a lot of people are, are thinking the same way I'm thinking about the Carolina Panthers. That concerns me. Too much, huh? All right. Uh, one last uh, kind of qualification on the game. Uh, I asked, I think it was Josh when we had him on, about the fact for the first time in the first four games, uh, Kenny Gamewell outperformed. Miles Sanders. He outpointed Miles Sanders. He outproduced Miles Sanders, even though he did so in slightly less touches. Um, And people look at that and go, ooh, is there a change in philosophy? Are are the way the Eagles programming their offense and calling their offense going to change even more going forward? Will we see Kenneth Gainwell get more touches this week than Miles Sanders? Unfortunately, Miles just keeps going to quote my friend Chris Berman, back, 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 back in number of touches on a week-in, week-out basis. How's the running back duo workload work out this week for the Eagles? I think uh, it hasn't changed at all. Uh, I keep saying this. I think Kansas City was an outlier. They're chasing points. You mentioned chasing points. They were chasing points in Dallas. That, That was the difference in theory. They won't be chasing as many points. They might be chasing a point here or there. But I don't think you're going to see them down two scores or anything of that nature in this type of game. And that will revert back to normal. And that's Miles Sanders as the the RB1, so to speak. And Kenny, Kenny Gainwell will be the hurry-up guy, the third down guy, the pass-catching guy. You know, it'll revert back to what it normally looks like 
And I think people are overreacting to the Kansas City game. The Kansas City game was unique because of the opposing offense. So that was an outlier game. Look, if they get blown out again, you're going to see a lot of Kenny Gainwell. We'll you don't want to see a lot of Kenny. Yeah, Gainwell. that that might be a bad sign. I get yeah. exactly where you're going. All right, one more time. The John McMullen predictions for the Eagles. 22 Eagles. So everyone who says I'm too negative, it's ironic, by the way. I'm the only one not jumping off the roof and, of the Ocean Casino behind you, Jed. And, and I almost feel better because you know what I just said about um perturbed at myself for picking it right on the number do you know what the over under number is for this game john uh well let's see 26 23 so i'm guessing 49 no <laughs> 45 <laughs> and whose number adds up to 45 there we go. My that's number. john mcmullen he picked it right on the over under. i'm picking it right on the spread he's picking it right on the over under <laughs> So we're basically screwing you here on Birds yeah. 365. That's what we're copying through. That's what we're admitting to. Now, do what you want with the information. We're giving you our honest opinions. Now, uh, take take those opinions and go to the Ocean Casino and do what you want. As I've said on many different broadcasts over the years, remember, you get what you pay for. And how much yeah. did we charge you? Absolutely nothing. So uh, feel free to take the information and, as John says, do what you want with it. Partner, safe travels to uh, Carolina over the weekend. I hope to hear your voice, if not see your smiling face, at 8 o'clock on Monday morning. I hope I am there. I will keep you updated. You never know with the world right. of traveling. Should be a good one, Eagles and Panthers. We'll be right back here talking about it Monday at 8 o'clock. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good luck to the Eagles. We'll be back here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.